Good evening. Welcome to Pigeon Post, the midnight edition. Again, uh, we keep finding ourselves in this place. But what I love about the midnight edition is I have this Bible in front of me and um, I can read a lot. So um, that's pretty cool. We are in John 10. And before we get into John 10, I just want to say that I'm just like about to explode with how awesome this chapter is. Um, it's just epic. And I mean, it almost ties together all of scripture. Um, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. Um, so we're going to talk about some really big things that this chapter says. And I think as you're reading it, you probably instantly find comfort. And I think it's a similar comfort that you have when you hear or read Psalm 23. Um, let's just, let's recite Psalm 23. I bet that a lot of people listening to this um, know Psalm 23. Or if you've been to a funeral, you've heard Psalm 23 quoted. And um, so how does it start? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In this chapter, we're going to see how and why that happens and it may be kind of shocking, um, but needless to say, Jesus is the good shepherd. Um, this is pretty easy to remember. 23, 34. Okay, pretty easy to remember. 23, 34. See how those go together? Uh, we just quoted Psalm 23. Now I'm going to read out of Jeremiah 23. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, 
Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. 23:34, right? Here's the 34 in Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak and the fat, and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. That was Ezekiel 34, preceded by Jeremiah 23 and Psalm 23. 
And I guarantee that the people listening to Jesus saying what he's about to say here heard all of those passages. And yet it says they still didn't quite understand. So with all that in mind, let's hear the word of the Lord. John 10. The Gospel of John, chapter 10. Most certainly I tell you, one who doesn't enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. But one who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus spoke this parable to them, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Jesus therefore said to them again, Most certainly I tell you, I am the sheep's door. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters in by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and will find a pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees. The wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The hired hand flees because he is a hired hand and doesn't care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and I'm known by my own even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice. They will become one flock with one shepherd. Therefore the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down by myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. I received this commandment from my Father. Therefore a division arose again among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the sayings of one possessed by a demon. It isn't possible for a demon to open the eyes of the blind, is it? Is it? <laughs> okay, so first things first, 
my friend Ben is doing an awesome job. In fact, I think this is like, I was really feeling it there um, with the reading. But he wanted me to point out that I believe at the end of verse 21, he says, is it twice? And um, it struck me as a little humorous. Um, <laughs> so it's okay to laugh because uh, it just kind of sounded like he said, is it? Is it? You know, <laughs> like answer the question. Um, it's like, I'm sorry, I thought it was a rhetorical question. Um, but anyway, so we digress from, uh, from the humor there because awesome stuff is happening here. Um, but I don't want to just um, say awesome for the sake of awesome. And in fact, let me just kind of explain to you why, part of the reason why I think this, this chapter is so awesome. Um, I have always believed in um, the doctrine of eternal security. And that is that once someone is truly a Christian, uh, truly born again, that that they stay in the family. I mean, that's basically just what that doctrine means. Some people water it down to mean something else. Um, but it's more um, accurately called perseverance of the saints or preservation of the saints. And um, so that verse, even since I was little, has meant a lot to me. Where um, Actually, we haven't even gotten to that verse yet, where Jesus says that no one can snatch them um, out of his hand. Okay? Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that more recently, um, someone quoted John 10.10 10 to me. And if I, let me just add, let me just give you a little quiz question here. And, um, and if you don't know, don't feel bad because I didn't know either. Um, uh, so when this person quoted uh, John 10.10 10 to me, they were making the argument that the devil was um, ruining my life because things weren't going well. Um, my wife was sick and we were having a very hard time, um, to put it mildly. Um, and it was a very complex situation and we were trying to figure it out. And um, so this person said, the devil's trying to ruin your life. You, you don't have abundant life right now living like this. Um, the thief comes to, to kill, to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus came to give abundant life and you're not having abundant life right now. And that kind of just struck me wrongly. And, um, but I didn't want to say that's wrong because I didn't know the context. Um, so I, sadly, I've read this many times, but I, I really wasn't quite sure about the context of that verse. And so um, in my recollection, I was pretty honest and said, I don't think it means what you are saying that it means. Um, but I would have to see the context. Let me look at the context. And, and see what that verse means. And um, so now, now that we're in the context, I, at the end of chapter 9, this verse where Jesus says to the Pharisees, now keep in mind, Jesus just healed a blind man, right? And the Pharisees ask him, are we also blind? 
And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. To me, that verse makes a little bit of sense in that they're not humbling themselves themselves, and saying, well, we can see fine. We're not blind, so we don't need healing. Um, but I think the verse means more than that because verse 10.1, which comes right after it, this is, there's no break here. Like Jesus is, is responding to uh, what these Pharisees are asking. Are we also blind? He says, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, or most certainly, uh, has been read, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Okay, so Jesus is calling the Pharisees thieves and robbers. Their guilt remains not only because they won't humble themselves in realizing that they're blind, but also because they're blind to Christ and proclaiming or purporting to lead the sheep. They're false shepherds. They're climbing in by another way. So they're not even coming in the right way through Christ. And they're leading the sheep astray. So... I won't read the whole chapter 10 again because Ben just read it. So I hope it's fresh in your mind that a stranger is trying to lead them out, right? Um, someone who is a thief and a robber. And what does he say finally when he gets to, to verse 10? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So he's saying, you Pharisees come only to steal and to kill and destroy. I think he doesn't only mean the Pharisees because you notice he says they don't know the voice of strangers. He mentions a hired hand coming in. And then later, I think in this chapter, he will say that um, you will listen to someone else if they come in their own name. I'm not sure if it's this chapter or not, um, but you won't listen to me. But anywhere, some, somewhere around here, um, he says that. that if somebody comes in their own name, you listen to him, but you won't listen to me. Um, so there's these thieves, robbers, hired hands. They're coming to do damage to the sheep. They don't really care about the sheep. And I think it's really clear when you go back and read Ezekiel 23, or excuse me, Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34, how God feels about false teachers, false religion, and false Christ, that these people are like thieves, they're like murderers, and they're like terrorists. They terrorize the sheep, they murder the sheep, and they steal from the sheep. And God is sick of it. And John 10 is the fulfillment of when he says that I myself will shepherd them. See, Jesus has to be God in order to fulfill the Old Testament. He is Yahweh of the Old Testament. He is the Son of the Father. See, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of those, or each of those, are referred to as Yahweh in the Bible, or as Lord and God. They all share that title. 
and they each have a particular work in redemption. And Jesus is coming as the good shepherd to free his sheep from the thieves and robbers. So I think I said I was going to give you a quiz. Anyway, I just ruined the whole thing. <laughs> the quiz was, what is John 10, 10 talking about? I bet if you quizzed five Christian friends, maybe even non-Christian friends, and asked them, what is, who is the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy? They'll say, the devil. And I heard that all growing up, that this verse is about the devil. And I never bothered to check it out until I had to check it out. Because I needed to know, is this person telling me the truth when they say that the devil is, is coming to ruin my life? Now, does the devil want to ruin our life? Of course. But I think the idea is, if you're going to say um, that abundant life is this thing you're defining it as, you're trying to use this verse to say something that it's not saying. Um, something that was pointed out, I, I'm, I can't remember where I read this, I'm sorry, so I can't cite it, but that these sheep in, in this chapter and the sheep in um, Psalm 23, they still experience the normal difficulties of being a sheep. They're have, they have a normal sheep life. These aren't... Um, forgive my sarcasm, but these aren't sheep who've discovered the champion within themselves, right? <laughs> these are not sheep uh, who have, you know, risen up to, uh, to be this awesome person that's inside of them. These are just dumb, normal sheep. But what do they do? They listen to the voice of Jesus. They listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Okay, part of the reason I invested so much time into that is not only because of my passion against false teachers and how um, detrimental they are to the health of the church, but also I don't think, in my opinion, it's very possible to understand what Jesus is going to say at the end of this chapter. Um, I don't think it's really possible to fully understand what he's saying there if we don't understand what he was just talking about. So um, you'll see what I mean in a second. So without, uh, without further rambling, um, <laughs> thank you for your patience with me, uh, trying to be concise. Let's hear the second half of John 10. The Gospel of John, Chapter 10, Continued. It was the feast of the dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in Solomon's porch. The Jews therefore came around him and said to him, How long will you hold us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify about me. But you don't believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I told you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give eternal life to them. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
Therefore the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, We don't stone you for a good work, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Isn't it written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture can't be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you blaspheme, because I said I am the Son of God? If I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do them, though you don't believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. They sought again to seize him, and he went out of their hand. He went away again beyond the Jordan into the place where John was baptizing at first, and he stayed there. Many came to him. They said, John indeed did no sign, but everything that John said about this man is true. Many believed in him there. Okay, so Jesus is at another feast, and he says some really beautiful things here. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want you to consider the sheep that we've seen so far in this book. We've seen Andrew, Simon Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, the Samaritan woman, we just saw the blind man worshiping Jesus. Those sheep hear and listen to Jesus' voice. Right? But he also says something strange here right before he says that. He says, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. So, one of the reasons why someone may not believe is simply because they're not one of his sheep. Back in verse 5, it says, A stranger they will not follow. That means his sheep will not follow. A stranger, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. i got to be honest, I'm really burdened by the amount of strangers and hired hands, and even thieves and robbers that are writing books and um, doing podcasts <laughs> and all kinds of things leading the sheep astray. And brothers and sisters, we have to stop listening. Jesus says we won't listen, that the sheep will not listen to the voice of strangers. And how do we know what the voice of a stranger is? We need to know what Jesus' voice is. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. And that voice is the word of God. We have the word of God in front of us. And I think that one of the things that this passage shows, I mean, if you just read it verse by verse here, 26 through 30, it's undeniably saying that we are saved by God and not by ourselves. 
we read earlier that Jesus' name, I think it was in Jeremiah 23, would be the Lord is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. It's His righteousness that makes us right before God so that he can, God can be the just and the justifier. Jesus says, I give them eternal life. It's a gift of grace. So the reformers promoted these ideas of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, which I think we've seen all of those. And then lastly, which kind of sums it all up, is for the glory of God alone. Jesus glorifies God. He says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So he glorifies himself right along with the Father as God. We see so much truth here. We see um, how God saves us by grace. We see how that salvation will endure and will not fail because nobody can snatch us out of his hand. I just encourage you to meditate on that. That is beautiful. And consider that if that's not what is taught, then the person teaching is a thief and a robber. Because this is the, um, this is Jesus's message, right? Jesus is not simply preaching some moral, make-yourself-better message. His message is that he's going to call sheep. The sheep are going to follow him. He's going to give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of his hand. Really awesome stuff there. Okay, lastly, this whole thing about um, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent in the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? It really, on the surface, can sound like, and I think it can be used to sort of um, uh, promote some kind of polytheistic idea as if they're demigods or we become gods or something like that. So um, this scripture will sometimes come up if you're talking to maybe Mormons or something like that. But keep in mind something here. For, first of all, even if we didn't have any context, Jesus is making an argument from lesser to greater. So he is in no way saying that he is one of those gods with the little g. He is affirming that he is the son of God, the unique son of God. But he's making an argument from lesser to greater. He says, if God called them gods because they were receiving the word of God, I am the word of God, basically is what he's saying. I am the son of God. How is that, how is that blasphemy? Um, so there's a little bit of a wordplay, and there's the idea of going from lesser to greater um, as a comparison. But he, here's, here's just my take on it. You can take it for what it's worth. I haven't, I haven't looked up whether anybody else agrees with this or not. And I'm definitely not looking to promote anything original. But part of the idea with this podcast is, can we stay with the context and maybe find out what some things mean? 
because um, I think so many times we think, oh, I have to learn Greek or I have to learn Hebrew to really figure out what the Bible means. And I think that's, that, can be, that can be good, really good. It can also be a little bit dangerous because the minute somebody stands up in front of us and, and quotes Greek, we think that person has authority, and they, they might not. They just might know what a Greek word means, right? Context is king. Jesus, when he's quoting, I said you are gods, he is quoting Psalm 82. And um, I'll read that briefly. And I think that as I read it, you'll see familiarity, right? Psalm 82, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. (coughs) Sounds like things that a good shepherd is supposed to be doing, right? Sounds like things that a good religious leader is, is supposed to be doing. And my understanding is that this is God... Um, um, judging the judges, basically. Judging people who are in some delegated authority that God has given them. They're operating with the authority of God to make right judgment. But they're not judging rightly. They're not declaring the innocent innocent and the guilty guilty. And they're not helping the poor and the weak and the fatherless. So God is judging these human judges for not carrying out his will as they're supposed to. Um, That sounds familiar, right? (laughs) Jesus and the Pharisees. Verse 5, they have neither, this is from Psalm 82 still, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said you were gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men you shall die and fall like any prince. So even though these people had the authority of God, they were not carrying out his will. They're going to die like men. And then lastly, verse 8, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So remember we mentioned that your kingdom is coming to an end, right? These Pharisees, their kingdom is coming to an end. What do you think is going to happen when this good shepherd comes and there's thieves and robbers and hired hands and all kinds of people in his uh, in the fold. They're going away, right? So let's take this back into uh, John 10. I think what Jesus is saying is following the context very well. He's saying, look, you are thieves and robbers, and you're thieves and robbers because you were supposed to be carrying out the will of God. He says, I said you are gods. You're operating under the authority that you've been given, and yet you've not made right judgment. You've not taken care of the sheep or the weak or the needy. You've not said the truth. Okay? I'm the son of God. You think I'm blaspheming, but you're not even carrying out the little authority that you have. So I think that really helps me to understand um, what, what seems to be a confusing passage is to once again look at the context. 
Um, when, you, when you flip back to, to Psalm 82, you see that Jesus is indicting the Pharisees as horrible judges who are going to be judged. They're the thieves, they're the robbers, and he is bringing abundant life. And once again, he doesn't back down from his claim. You see that they sought to arrest, arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. So there's John 10. It's an awesome chapter. And there's another really awesome one coming up, the raising of Lazarus in chapter 11. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us.